Is there a way you can describe the Chinese perspective on crypto and blockchain versus Japanese? There's always a very interesting metaphor um, compared to the Chinese and Japanese culture. It's like the Chinese, it's like a peach. It's like the first bite, you will get the reward. So it's like when you're getting closer, closer to the core, the core interest, the core business, the core um, sector of the whole society, you find it very, very hard. But then, so another metaphor for Japanese society is like, it's like a coconut. So at the beginning, it's very, very hard to penetrate. Once you spend enough time, once you spend enough um, effort to build the trust, um, it's like getting into the shell. And then inside, it's all about like the, the good coconut water. You're tuned to the RCast, where we talk about the blockchain on the RCast and how your data remains the RCast, where R drive is the topic, censorship resistant permanence. Yeah, we got it. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 22 of the RCast. Today we have Melody Tyra of Meteorite Labs, who I met at the Mass.io event at NFT NYC a few months ago. We talk about different cultural approaches to doing business, specifically in the blockchain sphere, and how Melody's Chinese and Japanese background gives her a really unique perspective. So I really like this interview. Melody's super cool. Great interview. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Mina, who are the cryptocurrency accountant experts in the UK. Be sure to stay tuned. Inferno is still raging on. We got the mobile app coming soon and a lot of interesting things happening in the RAO world. So be sure to follow our social media channels and stay updated. In the meantime, this is my interview with Melody from Meteorite Labs. friends. Welcome to the ArtCast. I'm here with Melody, who I met at the uh, Mask.io event at NFT NYC. And she's an LP with 7X, who's an investor in R Drive, but also her own projects, Incuba Alpha and Meteorite Lab are two things she works on. So I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk to you, Melody, about your journey into crypto and Web3. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I've been doing good. This is um, almost like midnight at Tokyo, but I feel really, really powerful because normally I check a lot of messages uh, from my friends in the West and then at this moment because it's like active hours for them. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of crypto is it's very much about being worldwide, right? Like I'm sure you fly to events all the time. You were the NFT NYC week, just going to all sorts of events. Um, how was, what was that trip like? Like, how was your week there? I mean, it's a really big and fantastic, very diverse uh, events. I met a lot of friends, reconnected with a lot of friends after the pandemic, right? And um, in the past two and three years, I spent a lot of time in Asia. Like, in, I stay in Japan, uh, where my, like, my parents stay. Um, and then also I uh, travel and stayed in China for, for a long time, for two years to get to, get to know the ecosystem there and settle. Um, and then because of the visa things and everything, um, it's very, very hard to travel to the Europe and also the West. So, um, and that, you know, I see, um, NFT is definitely the good chance to re be reconnected, um, to the friends there. Yeah. It's because it feels like it was one of the first big blockchain events, like post, I say post with quotes, post pandemic, right? <laughs> It was like a, 
whole like the whole event was kind of like pandemic event because nobody is wearing masks because it, it's very hard to imagine like in Asia like everyone is wearing masks and just so careful about getting um the COVID but then in the New York I feel like people don't give a fuck on that um people are so passionate on you know the crypto events and also what's the new trend even the market was not so bullish but then I mean it doesn't really you know like doesn't kill people's passion about it still i mean i it, it's really good to see i uh, know people are coming and also old people are sticking there i feel like in asia in general um people have more trust in well in their government and in a lot of like authorities and stuff so when people are told to told that uh wearing a mask is better for your health and then people just follow um yeah it's normally like that some people have challenges but it's more like a cultural more like a manner thing if you don't wear a mask you might danger others so that's why people are wearing it um, not necessarily because of the government telling them to uh, but yeah it's a co very complicated reasons but um, it's being a habit for for people to wear a mask but I mean like I respect people who don't want to wear wear a mask as long as you know they, they feel comfortable and then other people don't have opinion on that I mean, that's fine. Because like in New York, the whole atmosphere is like that. So I, I don't have opinion over that. But it's like keep health, keeping, keeping myself healthy. It's very important because like, you know, crypto life is very intense. What did you study if you went to school and what led you into this world? Yeah, um, my major was law. So I, I went to school in Japan, I went to school in China. I went to school um, in America. So that's why I speak three languages um like at business level and then uh my major was law so the the real like reason the first of the first time i heard blockchain and i was like drawn by the idea of decentralization is more related with it's how to say the nature of decentralization is pretty much similar with democracy and whole you know the political system and stuff like that and especially for example uh, right now people are um so big on the DAOs and everything um but i mean like DAO is is some kind of um the the new form of how people gather together and discuss things and co-work together and you can also see these kind of like organization um in, in normal political life or in, in for example as congress as uh, a certain kind of party or um as as a, a you know member of company or are you a member of an npo or something so DAO is just another form of people um, getting together and work on things they're passionate about. So I feel I feel a lot of like a similarity with my major and then with with a whole you know centralization um, idea uh, of blockchain. So that's the first reason I got um, very very interested in this thing. Um, that was like back in I think end of um, two thousand seventeen ish and then beginning of two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Wow. So you came in at a very good time. You know, like first when you first get into the industry, you don't like you, you're not like you're throwing all the money into it to raise. So so if I invested in 2017 and then I quit, I exist, um, exit on um, 2018, that would be fantastic. But then the the fact was that totally on the contrary, I lost a lot of money the, when I first get into the industry. I I, I invested in a lot in, in many of the projects. So like the ICO was a very big thing, etc. And then I lost a lot of money. But well, to be honest, back then I was like very very young, and then I don't even have much money, so <laughs> there's nothing. To lose. So yeah. I was like stick stick here, and then might be more interesting coming up.
That's uh, Bob Dylan has that lyric. When you've got nothing, you've got nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose is probably the best asset um, a young people, a young person could have. It's like the 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 reckless fear, fearless um, courage, getting to anything. I'm wondering if there's a correlation with like being an LP with Seven X because you all come together. You're an investor. You're involved in this project. It's decentralized. It's autonomous. Maybe maybe like it's interesting having your legal perspective set you up to be able to be intelligently involved with uh with a group like that like so what was your what was the chain of events that led you to 7x i mean in in asia a lot of funds like i mean probably very similar to uh the western world it's like many many of the fund managers and also the DAO members they communicate with each other so i've been i know 7x people since i think 2019 uh right after or before the Osaka DEFCON, uh, the Ethereum DEFCON. Uh, so I know them for a while. And then I really appreciate um, their investment thesis, like how they are uh, really passionate and also um, really being supportive with early stage um, like projects who have a belief like in this industry instead of you know, just chasing some hot topic and stuff. So, I mean, when nobody was big on RVIV and then they were probably pre- pretty much very, very first to several people um, around in, in, in China, at least, um, like, or in the whole Asia, um, pay attention on RVIV. And then also uh, right now they are big on the Web3, um, like data, data layer and uh, a lot of like uh, social social five related stuff and also uh, the future DID stuff. So I, I feel like their thesis is quite uh, advanced and uh, willing to take risk. You've worked with a lot of different projects and you're able to use your time efficiently. How do you have time? How do you find time to work with Meteorite Lab and Incuba Alpha? Like what, at what juncture did you start working on those projects? It's like, uh, yeah, when I talk to people that I work um, right now, I'm mainly working uh, with like three parties, like entities, um, like Meteorite Labs and Kibai Alpha and also Aki Network. Um, people will feel like, oh, you're so distracted and stuff like that. But it's not actually like that because um, Incubate Alpha and Meteorite Labs are two kind of like crypto funds that um, I, I funded. Um, so we, we invest, we basically just invest. Um, but every time I invest, um, in any of the portfolio, uh, I also invest my time. So I have to take care of them, uh, even as the after service, after the investment. So I normally help them to form the strategy of the, on their user growth and also especially, especially community building and marketing stuff, bootstrapping everything, um, especially on the APAC area. Um, mainly like in Japan, in China, in Korea, in Southeast Asia, etc. Uh, so anyway, I have to do those things for my portfolio. So um, during the process of me helping those portfolio, I realized there are a lot of um, problems that we need to solve. Um, for example, how to more efficiently um, collect like influencers data and how to evaluate their performance, how to collect their credential records and all those things lead to the birth of uh, the new project called Aki Network because that one is mainly the application layer of that project is mainly aiming to help projects, help my portfolios to grow their users. 
So um, everything is connected, actually. That is a big question with Web3, especially with community management and with our drive and RIO. That's something we try to focus on, making sure the community knows um, what's going on. We know what's happening with them. Um, so what are some ways you found that help grow communities? Is there anything specific that you're like, oh, yeah, this is this works well? Yeah, I mean, like speaking of like marketing and community building, um, a, lot, a lot of people might think, oh, it's just to, you know, give them some airdrop and then, you know, attract a lot of people into the DC, into the Discord or a follower on Twitter. And that's enough. But the 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 thing is like it's it's far far from enough it's like only probably the beginning so Aki Network is trying to help them to complete the first step but then I mean to maintain a vivid life like communities you need you really need to convey your messages like what you are really doing what what is your product and how can you as a user to interact with us and how can we do for you um, those things you you have to really put time and energy to try to convey the message. So I mean, to 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 express yourself, to convey the message, and to guide the user into taking a certain type of action that requires more effort. It's it's not only you know just release a Twitter and just release a tweet. That's enough. It's not like that. It's like you have to constantly keep telling people and keep. Um, keep like encourage other people to help you to promote and to spread the words out and then have including more people to get into the web through get into like trying out your product everything um I, so i think um some people just think okay um let me get like 40k or 50k people into the dc and that's enough but what if like if you don't have the idea what people are actually talking in your discord, if you don't know like how people are thinking about your project or, or what exactly are they thinking or what they need, then I think it's a total fail failure of the so-called community building. So if you only say, if you only have like 500 people, but those people are really passionate and really talk about your project. I mean, that's still a success. You can prove to a lot of people that you, you're really building the community. So I think community or marketing is highly, deeply related to what exactly are you doing? It's not an easy problem. Are you optimistic about the future? Oh, I, I think I'm definitely optimistic. Nothing could be worse than 1929, right? It was like right before the war. And then I don't think... Yeah, a lot of people are talking about, you know, the all those like political threats and everything. And there might be a World War Three or something, but I don't really think so. It's like, um, first reason, it's like the, the economy is so diverse and so globalized. So everyone has each other's money in their pockets. So there's no reason to start a war. And the second one is like, you look at the crypto um I think it's even beyond the the traditional um, globalized economy. It's not only about American doing business with Japanese or Koreans are uh, making money with Chinese. It's more like globalized talents are trying to build something to solve the problems that human beings are really together facing. Um, so I, I'm optimistic uh, about the economy, about the future. And also at the same time, I also ask the, has the expectation and also the, um, the, the wish that we could, um, you know, uh, really work together. And especially 
maybe use leverage the the power of crypto leverage the all the money in the crypto to maybe do some projects um maybe related to i don't know like weather change or or poverty or anything um related to the realistic um real world problems and stuff maybe education or something um that that's what i expect from the future DAO, um, maybe not only the investment venture type of DAO, not only the DeFi type of DAO, or not only the project type of DAO, but also some DAOs that to tackle some problems that everybody's really facing together. Yeah. That's that's really good perspective. And I, I do agree that that we're all still figuring this stuff out, but the potential is huge there. And having early believers like yourself who care and want to make a difference. I think that that's that's why I'm excited about this space and why it's fun to talk to people who are figuring this out and helping build everything. Um, were, were you born in Japan? Parents have both like Japanese and Chinese backgrounds, so I was like born in both countries. So I I know the culture quite well in both. Is there a way you can describe? The Chinese perspective on crypto and blockchain versus Japanese. There's always a very interesting metaphor um, compared to the Chinese and Japanese culture. It's like the Chinese are uh, the Chinese society or either it's like society or the business um, wise kind of society. It's like a peach. It's like the first bite you will get the reward you feel like oh it's easy to do business in china it's easy to make um, make money with chinese or together a partnership with chinese but then as as you get deeper and deeper know the society and know everything you will find um china is big so it's like when you getting closer closer to the core the core interest the core business the core um, sector of the whole society, you find it very, very hard to penetrate. Uh, very, very hard. It's like um, it's not that open. Um, but if you just stay in the middle level or the tier two or tier three, yes, you can. You can definitely benefit from um, working uh, with the whole um, Chinese business society. Um, but but for Japan, uh, for, so so for crypto, same. It's like um, it's easy to get Chinese user on board at first, but then if you want to really maintain and keep the attention from Chinese users, um, you probably need to work really hard um, to gain their trust in a long run. Um, so sometimes that's why um, also some of the projects say, oh, um, Chinese users are just flippers. They flip very quickly. Um, it's, it's actually because, you know, Chinese are receiving a lot of messages, a lot of like new projects. So it's, it's very, very um, easy to distract them with like, something new. So they, they love to try something new. Like Chinese love to try something new. Always try new restaurants, new fashion style, everything new. But then, so another metaphor for Japanese society is like, it's like a coconut. So at the beginning, it's very, very hard to penetrate. It's very, very hard to knock on the door. And then um, it's hard to understand the culture. It's hard to understand the people. But then once you spend enough time, once you spend enough um, effort to build the trust, um, it's like getting into the shell. And then inside, it's all about like the the good coconut water you will you will definitely benefit a lot from doing business with them and building the long-term relationship once they trust you they will stick to it so the loyalty um is much higher than any of the areas 
uh, much higher than the Chinese, much higher than Korean, much higher than the Western uh, community once they stick to it. Um, so, for example, my recent portfolio, um, Stepan, uh, the move to earn kind of project, um, Stepan. So um, in like even in the bear market, the, the Japanese users loyalty and stickness is the highest. They always like being so supportive. Um, to 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 the project. So I mean, to any of the project who really want to build long term like community, long term trust with um, some some um, like Asian community, I I definitely suggest them to try Japanese market first, and then um, gradually uh, spend the spending time to to tell the story of themselves to the to the people there. And also, Chinese um, communities are also very interesting. It's very very alive like vivid changing changing always like having surprised you with new things so how can people stay updated on your projects and your and your life do you have do you have social media or twitter uh, melody underline uh t-a-i-r-a tyra it should be uh, and my pro uh pro- profile picture is a moonbird it's a moonbird with like rainbow moonbird because i'm i'm lgbt so i so oh. i buy related about rainbow thing <laughs> so it's so cliche but yeah um melody thank you so much you had some great perspective thank you for being generous with your time and sharing your philosophy and hopefully we can talk again but this is really cool interview thank you very much yeah thanks for having me yeah you know it's great interviews thanks melody that was an awesome talk we will be back in two weeks with our friends from mina And uh, we hope you all are having a good September. Stay cool. Keep uploading that flavor and stay tuned to our socials. Oh, and follow us on TikTok too, because there's a lot of exciting R-Drive content constantly happening. Thanks, y'all. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.